0: Welcome to It's Your Turn. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and no matter how exhausted, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed you are, there is hope. You can start exactly where you are. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, you're ready for it to be your turn, or you wouldn't be here. You know, we hear words like vitality and confidence and empowerment and transformation, but what do they really mean? What do they look like in the practical aspects of our life? In the It's Your Turn podcast, we explore, learn, and put into practice practical tools and wise concepts for transformation. This is real life change, not platitudes. It's the intersection of the practical and the aspirational. It's your turn to make decisions that are aligned with exactly what you want. And if you've lost connection to what you want, that's okay, we'll reconnect it. You'll learn how to shift out of self-sabotaging patterns and tap in to the clarity, confidence, and vitality that you may feel like has been lost forever. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat of your life and embrace the power that is within you. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone. I am so happy you have joined me for today's episode of It's Your Turn. We're talking about being exhausted and feeling overwhelmed. Um, Also, a very popular phrase that people use when they're coaching with me. Almost everyone in the same way that they say, I'm ready for it to be my turn, which is why we named this podcast, It's Your Turn. Almost every client at some point is exhausted and overwhelmed. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about sort of how that happens, why that happens. If you uh, saw episode one, I went over a few basic philosophies of mine, sort of core beliefs. And one of them is that there are symptoms of things, and there are causes of things. And most of the things that we identify in our own mind as our problems are what I would consider symptoms. So we're, you know, fighting in our relationship, or we haven't had sex for six months, or we have a difficult conversation we need to have in the workplace that we're too scared to have, or we're having imposter syndrome or, you know, any of the things, all the things that lead people into coaching. And those problems are real, of course, just because it's a symptom doesn't invalidate it in some way, right? If you think about your body and when you're sick, your symptoms are real. They need to be taken care of. And so we take care of those symptoms. But if you don't want to wind up right back where you started from symptom wise, We've got to figure out what's causing that. So when we look at an issue like exhaustion and overwhelm, and they're pretty similar. I mean, I think exhaustion's a little downstream, right? Like we'll get exhausted often before we feel overwhelmed. But if we don't take care of the exhaustion, we're going to get to overwhelm. And sometimes overwhelm you know, comes first or they come simultaneously, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's these types of big feelings like this, that while it is important to deal with what's happening, like, are you over committing? How can you get more rest? Do you need to um, get off screens earlier in the evening? Like, you know, all the things you've heard of um, that can help us get better rest at night or simply, you know, lower our activity level. So we're not doing so much. Okay. Or do things to lower the stress levels. If it's really more of a mental thing than a physical thing that's creating the exhaustion and overwhelm those things, of course, you know, I work with clients on those things all the time. And what really ends up delivering the freedom and the peace and the rest and that exit out of exhaustion and overwhelm is figuring out why we got there what's been going on that got us to this point so if you think of the sort of the story you know gosh golly we hope they didn't really do this but um it's the old story of the frog that will let itself boil to death in a pot of water that it could easily jump out of but the water if you turn the heat of the water up slowly enough, and it happens gradually enough, it will actually boil to death, even though it could save itself. And let me tell you, anybody who relates to being a people pleaser, if you're familiar with that term, which just kind of in a nutshell, is that as a people pleaser, we are trying to um make the peace with everyone. Well a lot of times we are rescuers and in a family or in a work situation in any kind of um group of people, families, work situations, friends, even we are the ones who mitigate the drama or mitigate the conflict, I should say, more so than drama. Um, Because we're so uncomfortable with conflict, we help others get out of it or we subvert you know we we keep it from happening like you think of a classic you know holiday meal because if you're listening to this in real time this podcast episode is being released in mid-december and so you know we can imagine all the times all the family oh yeah we saw it on a movie it wasn't your family or mine we saw it on a movie anyway where the people pleaser is even you know distracting people to keep them from fighting or, you know, it's not even about them. They're just, you know, running around the household, trying to keep others from killing each other. So all of us who are people pleasers, part of that dynamic is we just, without even thinking about it, we will over function for other people. So as soon as I have all my eyes peeled, watching for which family members might get in conflict so I can go interrupt with a funny story or a joke or, you know, distract them by inviting them into the kitchen with me or whatever. I am over-functioning because it is not my job to make sure nobody else in the family fights. But as people pleasers, that's not how we felt growing up. Growing up, we either in a very obvious overt way or maybe in a very um covert much more subconscious sort of way we were encouraged to take care of others in my household it was pretty overt and depending on your family culture your um heritage potentially your geographic culture religious culture Like, for sure, in my religious upbringing, my very fundamentalist evangelical upbringing, as a woman and as a child, I was taught that it was my job to serve, to take care of others, to keep everybody happy. That was just my job, whether it was because I was baking a pie or keeping two other family members from fighting or not telling anybody what upset me or asking for anything I needed because they might be upset or their feelings might be hurt or they might not want to or whatever. And so for me, it was very overt. I mean, I just always knew, you know, it's like that idea of growing up knowing that you just need to not take up very much space. You need to not be any trouble. You need to make sure other people are happy You're going to keep the peace. You're going to be good. You're not going to be getting in trouble because that's a pain in the neck, you know, for other people. And so you're, you know, it's the good girl, good boy kind of syndrome. And so all of us who were raised that way, it's so easy to do more than we need to be doing for our own personal sense of, um, mental and physical energy, you know, mental, emotional energy and physical energy. And all of us have different tolerances for that. This is another thing, like really, I didn't include it in episode one, so we'll do it here. Another fundamental thing for me is that, (coughs) excuse me, comparing yourself to someone else is always a mistake. We are all unique. So to say, well, I haven't worked as much as so-and-so worked, so I should be doing more. Or I've only volunteered for five things this December. And, you know, my friend, Betty over there, she's doing eight things. So I need to be doing more. Like we're really bad, even if you don't use those kind of words in your head, we're really bad at comparing ourselves to others and coming up short for ourselves, Right. It is very rare that we would compare to make ourselves feel better. We compare and then we say, oh my gosh, why am I so tired? Because so-and-so is doing more, you know, or why why don't I want to volunteer for the PTA because all these other moms are doing it or whatever it is. And so the first thing is we've got to get out of comparison. If you're tired, you're tired and you don't need to justify that. And that's just the way it is. You need to take a nap take it easy tonight, go to bed early, whatever it is, so that you can get the rest you need. And if everybody in your household or everybody you know can quote unquote do more, sleep less, and be fine, it doesn't matter because you can't. And all you need to do is worry about what works for you and not compare yourself to others. So in this realm of being exhausted and overwhelmed. We have that dynamic. I'm exhausted and overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is often a little bit more of a mental and emotional thing, but it will have the physical component of needing, you know, being tired of needing rest. So they all, those two things go very hand in hand. And so There is the point where you probably need symptom-wise to deal with the symptom. You probably need to set a boundary. You need to say no to something you've already said yes to or not say no to something somebody asked you to do later today or figure out how to, you know, quiet your evening down so you can relax better, so you can go to sleep easier when you go to bed or read before you go to sleep or whatever, you know, whatever those things are that will facilitate you changing your schedule so that you're giving less and resting more. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's no magic out of overwhelm and exhaustion, except giving less and resting more. Um, so There's that part for the symptom. Now, in the emotional and mental components of overwhelm, so it could just be a super stressful thing that's not like I have 10 events to go to this week. You know, it's not a thing like that that you can say that you can say no to. You know, it's a it's a condition in your life, maybe financial stress or health stress or uh, with a family member or whatever it is. So, and those things can be very overwhelming mentally and emotionally, but I will still say that the more rest, like physical rest sleep that you can get, the better off you're going to be and being able to start to uh, address the emotional and mental overwhelm you're in because none of us function as well when we're really tired. So Physical rest will really help with that. Um, but on top of that, whatever it is, you're. This is where, you know, I'll work with clients individually for what their exact, you know, sort of path out of that is. But since so, you know, since I don't know your story specifically, generally speaking, when we are in emotional and mental overwhelm we have started taking responsibility for some things that are not ours. Like it's something happening to a friend or a family member or something like that. And so it's not happening to me anyway, it's not mine, but I'm feeling it as if it is. And that's sort of the misnomer about the dynamic of empathy. So empathy is not feeling everything everybody else feels like that's not the point. It's not that you take on their feelings as if it's happening to you. It's that you can understand that the way they're feeling is true for them or their perspective on something is true for them. So you can imagine as a coach, you know, if I coach five people a day and of course everybody's got challenges. If I took all those on as if they were my responsibility that would, I would be exhausted and overwhelmed, you know, every day, but I don't do that because that's one of the sort of symptom ways to address it is to say, okay, so I'm going to have my own energetic or emotional and mental boundary, however you want to think of that, an internal boundary that says, I'm not gonna take on my client's stressors. I'm gonna let them keep them and I'm gonna do what I can do over here to facilitate them and give them tools so they can break free from it. But I'm not gonna take it on as though it's mine. So look for that. If you're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, Look for that. Where on an emotional or mental level might you be taking responsibility for something that is actually someone else's responsibility? And if you say, hey, yeah, Brenda, but they're not doing what needs to be done or they're not, you know, taking responsibility. I will say in total love and grace and without judgment, then whatever they reap from that is their own responsibility, right? This is that principle of sowing and reaping. So if I don't take care of my own shit and shit hits the fan, then that's on me. And of course, I know if you love this person, it's hard to watch somebody sort of walk into that and not take care of it. And so many of us, again, because we've sort of been trained for it, will try to rescue them from that. We'll try to intervene or do something so that that doesn't happen. But so many times when we do that, we are actually short-circuiting that person's ability to learn from that experience. So most of us learn what we learn because we reap what we sow. And if somebody comes in and interrupts that, And we don't even ever have to pay the consequence of our own actions. Then we will get a distorted perception of that as if I can do, you know, whatever, all sorts of things that don't serve me or not do them right as if I could not pay my bills and that just won't ever be a problem. No. So if that's just an easy metaphor to use, so let's do that. Um, but if you realize i'm not paying my bills and you're like oh my gosh that's terrible cuz brenda's going to get her power cut off or you know get evicted cuz she didn't pay rent so let me you know go in and you know use her checking account and pay her bills and obviously you'd probably be a family member if you were going to do that and so you're you know you'd ask me permission and whatever And I would probably give it to you because I don't want to do that. That's why I haven't been doing it. (laughs) So you could pay my bills and I would never have to pay the late fees or deal with the stress of having my lights turned off or being evicted or any of that. But I would never learn those lessons. And so that falls into sort of the concept of enabling what enabling is. So then you're enabling me to my own helplessness, to not reaping what I've sown. And so all the more, I'm not gonna learn that it's important to pay bills on time. So that may seem like a silly example, but it works. And we do that in all kinds of uh, ways, emotionally and whatever. And um, we enable others to continue to not reap what they sow because we get in and intervene in some way. And so being able to say, I'm gonna stay over here where I belong in in my sandbox, if you know my sandbox metaphor, which is that everyone has their own sandbox, every every human being. And so what is in our sandbox is our responsibility. It's how we think and feel and act, you know, say what we say, but it's only us. And every person is responsible for them. But I am not responsible for anybody else. I am only responsible for me and you are only responsible for you. So if I hop in and save the day all the time for a friend, for one of my kids, for, you know, whatever, somebody at work, oh my gosh, this happens all the time in a work environment, especially any kind of team environment, which is so prevalent anymore, that somebody on the team isn't doing their share of the work and somebody else is making up for it somebody else is staying late somebody else is taking work home and they're just kind of getting away with it and so we're just enabling that person to continue to get away with it instead of suffering the consequences so if we stay in our sandbox we get to just take care of ourselves which is far less stressful than when we hop into other people's sandboxes and wanna take care of them or rescue them or whatever it is that we're doing for them. So that's why boundaries are so important because I have to be able to say, you know, I'm willing to go the extra mile for this project, but you have not done your part. And I understand that the world is a complicated place. And when I talk about these things in a sort of hypothetical situation like this, There are all kinds of nuances that are probably in your own mind for your own situation and why that's different. And sure, sometimes we're just going to stay up late and do the work because the project's due tomorrow and we don't want to look foolish in front of whoever we're presenting to or whatever. And that gets done. But then after that I would be dealing with it. Whether it's appropriate for me to go to that person directly or go to their supervisor or whoever, but I am not going to be in the routine of doing somebody else's work and them not having to pay the price for it. So these are all symptom level things. And there are many of them and so many more nuances than I could possibly cover in a podcast. If this is why I love you guys to reach out to me. So DM me on Instagram, brendafloridacoach is my Instagram handle. If you're not already following me, of course, it's also in the show notes, brendafloridacoach. DM me if you think you've got a situation that is, you know, somehow different or you can't figure out the angle of how to say no or whatever. DM me and let me know. It's also great information, anonymously so for future podcasts. Anyway, but then we also have to get to the cause of that. Why am I rescuing? Why am I enabling? Why is it so hard for me? to do what I need to do for myself if I think that's going to upset another person. So figuring those out is a very personal and a very important part of it. Because if all we do is deal with the symptom, I might set some boundaries and do some things that are great and they get me through the next few weeks and you know, whatever. But in time, that cycle of overfunctioning enabling rescuing just doing too much being overly concerned about what other people think about me all of that will take me right back to exhaustion and overwhelm and so that's how we know we don't have the cause when we keep looping into the same cycles on the surface the the problems keep happening again i'm dating the wrong kind of person i'm you know, choosing the wrong kind of job again, or um, whatever it is that you cycle round and round on, because we all do. Those are the things that we've got to get below the surface of, so that we can figure out for you, what is the cause, even in the realm of people pleasing, just to say, oh, well, people pleasing, that's why I do that. That's not going to help you necessarily stop. You need to figure out those things. And this is what, you know, therapy or one-on-one coaching, at least with me, coaching with me is like, because we'll go figure that out. You know, you've probably got an inner child that needs some attention. And she's hoping if she works that hard and does all these nice things for other people and fixes things and everybody likes her, that she's going to finally feel loved and, you know, get the attention she needs. Well, the truth is, Once you're an adult, you're the only one who can give your inner child what he or she or they need. Okay. The, you know, horses out of the barn on anybody else being able to do that for you. And so once we're adults, we've got to go do that for ourselves. So there are oftentimes with clients that we do, you know, some kind of what I'll just call loosely inner child work, because that's where these things start. That's why they're so freaking hard to stop. That's why I love, like, I've had some clients that are, well, some that are teenagers and then others in their early twenties. And I love it because they, while they may have the same habits and patterns of people pleasing or whatever it is, they haven't been practicing for as long. They haven't been doing it as long. Their neural pathways are not as deeply um, embedded or rooted or grooved or however you want to say that. Um, So it's easier for them to break that habit. The older you get, the harder it is. It's not impossible. I, my oldest client was 88. So it's never too late. Even at 88, there's a good rhyme. Uh, it's never too late, but you owe it to yourself and you deserve the much deeper freedom that comes from addressing the cause instead of just staying up on the symptom. So I think I'm going to leave it there today. And I would love to hear from you. One, if that just resonates the symptom and the cause thing. And two, if you need some help with something, please, please, please let me know. So you can leave your comments wherever you're listening to this podcast, or again, DM me at brendafloridacoach, or you can always email me brenda at brendaflorida.com. And all that is in the show notes as well. Um, because I would love, love, love to hear from you because here's what I'm about. As I said, in the introduction of this podcast, I am, I want my work to be, because this is where I'm at, uh, to be both, um, practical and aspirational. I want you to aspire to be free of all those symptoms but then I'm gonna be practical about it too. So how do we do that? And then how do we get to the cause so we don't have to worry about the symptom anymore, right? That's the ultimate. And so that is what I am here to do. And I want to do it with as many people as I possibly can through things like this, through speaking engagements, through retreats, through group programs, digital programs, one-on-one coaching, I will do all the platforms. (laughs) I just want to help more people who want to be free because you are a growth-minded individual. If you were not, you wouldn't have found me. You certainly wouldn't have lasted this long in the podcast. So growth-minded people are my people. I'm not here to convince you you need to grow or you should grow or whatever. I love working with people who already want to they're ready they may not know where they need to grow or what exactly it is that keeps tripping them up that's fine i can find that (laughs) i want to get to as many growth minded people as i can get to to help give them these tools and help especially in deep ways that we can go deeper like retreats and programs and one-on-one coaching to address the very nuances of everyone's unique experience and the unique way they grow. Because what works for you to grow will not be exactly the same as what works for somebody else to grow. And that's why this idea of comparing is so bad because we can't compare your journey to somebody else. And this is why I do not believe in cookie cutter type formula programs and coaching styles because the same formula doesn't work for everyone even if they want the growth you're unique there are nuances to your experience and what will resonate to you to the point of a breakthrough than for some other people and that's okay that's the way it's supposed to be because we were created as unique individuals so i can't wait to see you in the next episode and i hope to hear from you between now and then thank you for joining me for this episode of it's your turn i've got resources and links in the show notes for you but here's what's more fun DM me on instagram at brendafloridacoach and let me know you listened to today's episode i'd love to connect with you and then share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it because i know you know somebody Who needs to hear it? And I'll see you in the next episode of It's Your Turn.